Wow, so many of you have sent in your mailing address for the 52-day testimonial book by Bishop Joel Holmes. Thank you all for your patience as we get everything together to send the hundreds of books out. They'll be shipping this coming week, so be sure to check your mailbox. If you've not listened to this episode yet, be sure and listen to episode 59 with Bishop Holmes and hear how to get your free book in the mail. Also, we are still going through our ambassador emails and we cannot wait to work with so many of you. If you would like an opportunity to represent our brand, be sure and go to unashamedlyyou.com and select brand ambassador to fill out the form. There is no community like a community of kingdom-minded women going after their God-given calling. Welcome to the Unashamedly You podcast, a space to enlighten, encourage, and empower you to go out and unashamedly be who God is calling you to be. I am your host, Jamie Herndon. I pray you hear less of me and more of him as you listen to today's episode. Let's grow together. Today, we are bringing back one of your favorite guests to have on the podcast. We hear often to bring her back on here. And if you've not caught the previous episodes with Dr. Chelsea Hall, then you need to do yourself a favor and not end the week without catching up on them. I promise you, she's absolutely amazing. Every podcast that she's done with us has been incredible. And I know you guys are excited, the ones that have already heard one, to hear that she is going to be on with us today. She can be maybe a little intimidating if you read her bio and realize how accomplished in the education realm she is, and she is still so young, but she holds a doctorate of ministry in pastoral counseling and congregational care. She has a master's in counseling, a bachelor's in music and worship leadership, and she is a licensed marriage and family therapist, but she's entirely too sweet to ever feel intimidated by her. And I'm just thankful to have her as a friend. So Dr. Chelsea Hall, before we get started, take a moment and introduce yourself to us. Thank you, Jamie, for the glowing recommendation. (laughs) I'm thrilled to be a part of the podcast today. I'm looking forward to digging into the topics we're going to talk about. I am a marriage family therapist in the state of California. I also serve as a pastoral counselor offering faith-based support and services to churches, clergy, and congregations. So through that format, we do a lot of work around our apostolic faith and how we can integrate that into our daily lives. So two different kind of backgrounds that God brought together in order to serve people in a variety of ways. And it's something I'm passionate about, excited about, really just helping people be who God made them to be, which of course links us up to your unashamedly you and how you're empowering people to do that through a variety of methods, coaching and so forth. So it is fun that we have been able to link up through these things. And I'll throw this out there as well before we get started and let you guys know that she is in fact my personal counselor as well. So if you have any needs in your life, you feel you need help working out, talking through, or even some of the things we're going to talk about today, I'll be putting some ways to contact her in the show notes. And I personally highly recommend her If you are a woman, I feel like that you need God, a preacher, and a good counselor in your life to stay (laughs) well-rounded. So Chelsea, let's get started. So we have the month of January kind of set aside to help push the motivation that you guys are probably having things to do. Most people are thinking of their resolutions or their goals for the year, whatever that you want to call yours. And I feel that's important. If you aren't taking any time throughout your year to stop and reflect and think of changes or habits that you'd like to break or form, then the people around you probably wish you would. (laughs) I think that it is important. And there's a godly side to this whole idea of setting goals and setting new habits that we should be forming or that we want to form. Because let's be honest, we want to be better Christians, better moms, wives, better friends, better all the way around. And sometimes that includes forming better habits or making some changes. And there's a godly idea around that. And I'm just excited to talk about that with you today. I'm really excited about it as well. Habits and reflection and thinking about how we can grow is, as you said, an integral part really of a Christian's life, of an apostolic person's life where we're following God's you know, commandment and guidance to continue to walk in our lives and, and to grow. 
because we are inherently not perfect. There are a lot of challenges we have with creating new habits, with create following the dreams and the callings of God. And one of those is really, we've talked a lot about Unashamedly You. I love the podcast. I love the community you're creating because it helps with the challenges of growth. And one of those, the heart that you've talked about of Unashamedly You is really about being unashamedly fully embracing who we are, who God called us to be, and how we can help others be who God called us to be. And it's such a vital thing that there's a lot of pressure that sometimes comes with that. And the heart of whether we succeed in a long-term sustainable goal, a long-term change, is really about how we deal with ourselves and the shame that does come up, right? We want to be unashamed, but there is shame around the fact for all of us as humans that we're not perfect. God gave us the ability to see and sense the ideal and the beautiful and the perfect and the complete so that we would recognize him and be drawn to him. But we also, by reverse, see our own imperfections. And that can cause us to either hide those and act as if they're not there, or it can cause us to fully face them and embrace them to the point that now they become our identity. And neither of those two pitfalls are things we want to fall into, but we automatically do. So growing and challenging ourselves this time of year is a really big topic. There's a lot of statistics, honestly, about New Year's resolutions. And just a word to the wise, there is nothing magical or super spiritual about January 1st. It's just another day. So if you've already set goals and you've already had a slump, uh, already fell off the wagon, then just take a moment to acknowledge I can start again at any point. That's the beauty of God's love and his salvation for us, right? His blood will cover us at any point we request it and we can get strength to do it. But some statistics that kind of can help us that we think about our New Year's resolutions, our habits and changes, 9% of people successfully keep their New Year's resolution. Nine, not 99. Not very many of us get there. So we're going to talk about some ways to overcome those obstacles today. But just for our thought process, 23% quit by the end of the first week. If you're in there, you're not alone. 64% quit after the first month. In fact, they've designated a particular Friday in January as Quitter's Day because it's the day most people give up on their New Year's resolutions. And our world just kind of accepts that as, oh, well, it's just part of the process to the point that only about 30 to 40% of adults make New Year's resolutions. A lot of the rest of us just kind of give up the older we get. It's just like, eh, well, we learn it doesn't work. But I don't believe that's how God would have us to approach goals and change and growth. That just because we can't do it on our own or just because we struggle that we should give up. Now, it's easy to get discouraged. And that's what we're here for. That's what this community is here for is to uplift each other, to trust in God, to go further. But it's important to kind of just recognize we do struggle with these things. That there's, and you're not alone in that, that we're all human in that space. And there's two primary reasons why that we often struggle. One is just loss of motivation. The other one is there's issues with the goals that we set for ourselves in the first place. And Sister Jamie, you and I know we're going to talk a little bit about some of those details of how that happens and where that goes. But just to start with, just know you're not alone if you're struggling and setting goals and keeping them. It's a human piece. There are resolutions for that. I love that you said the part about it's the way that we're setting them. So one other thing that I have felt myself is I was a part of another company. Obviously, people know this about my story. And I had these clear cut goals and things were just set and they were easy to set. The goals were easy to set because I knew what the next thing was. I knew exactly what to do and I knew exactly what to do to get there. And so it was easy to set those goals. But sometimes you can have life change, a career change. You may have went from working to being a stay-at-home mom, or you may have decided to go back to school, or you may have been in school this whole time, and now you're out of school and it's time to get your job and you're going for these things. And I think that's also another thing to realize is it's so easy to compare the last year that you set a goal. Or are you talking about giving up on those goals so easily. You're like, I've done this before. It's the same 20 pounds that I've set every single year. Why am I even trying? Why am I even going through with that? Or my goals before were so easy to set. I knew exactly what to do. And last year I set a goal. I didn't accomplish it. And I think just coming to grips with things can change, life can change, and it, that's okay. Absolutely. One of the 
amazing things. And the reason we sit down to reflect in December, January, reflecting on things is to help us to see the gratitude for what has happened, for what we have learned, and to reevaluate, take stock of, do my goals from last year work? Now, a lot of times we get sidetracked into, hey, that didn't happen the way I wanted it to, or I'm in a completely new phase. I don't even know what to do right now. And that's important, but it's also important to be able to pull back from the brink of how negatively that could guide us and guide us back to the reality that there's both good and bad and what we're experiencing possibly, that the challenges that we're facing may be different, even if we didn't choose them. Sometimes we do, but sometimes we don't. Sometimes someone gets sick, someone needs caretaking, something in a business venture doesn't go the way you expected it to, or God starts calling your life in a different direction. Maybe there's a ministry that's opening up or a way of serving people or a Bible study that's on the one night a week you finally had to just relax. There's a lot of challenges we can face and your goals need to shift with that. And underneath that is letting go of the perfectionism that we often fall into. Okay, I want to be right. I want to get this right. And really remember that the reason we stand unashamed, regardless of what our goals are, how well we achieve them, isn't because we're worthy, isn't because we're super skilled, but it's because of mercy. Jesus's blood covers all our struggles and our successes and our failures when we ask him to. So no matter what you think disqualifies you from the calling you have, or, hey, I didn't get last year's goal, so I shouldn't create new goals. Sometimes last year's goal just isn't a good fit anymore. Sometimes maybe you misread the nudge from God about what your goals needed to be. Whatever it happens to be, it doesn't have to hold you back. You want to be able to be flexible to grow and develop new things, noticing as you grow. Like change is an experiential process. We can't just set a goal and then say, boom, point A to point B. Now it's done. I've, I've done it exactly like I expected to. But you can learn things along the way. So even if your goal didn't work out the way you wanted it to, you can accept that and say, what did I learn from that? What did I learn about myself? What did I learn about life and what God's calling me to? And we can take that in a gracious way, a merciful way, because God offers that to us. It's really not about how well we did the goal or not. So good. And so grateful for his mercy, because like you said, it covers our successes. It covers our failures. Whenever we do something and we did it really well and it was a success, we're like, Thank you, Jesus. God gets all the glory. We want to give him all the glory. And then whenever we completely fall on our face and we fail, we're like, we're so dumb. Like, why did we do it like this? And we're a failure and we create all this shame. And God's guiding our footsteps, no matter which direction you're going. God is going to be your help. Like you said, he'll cover your failures, just like he's covering the successes. And there's something that he may have been teaching with that mm -hmm. and something for us to learn. And it wasn't just about us either way. Absolutely. It definitely always has a communal aspect to our lives. Something that I speak about a lot, but it's, and so it can become cliche at some point, but it's still very true, is identity is formed in relationships, formed in your relationship to God, right? Who we are is who he says we are, right? We belong to him first. We need to understand that, align our values with his. Sometimes our goals don't work out or we struggle with them. We lose motivation because it wasn't lined up with what we needed to be valuing in the first place. Maybe there's something deeper underneath what we wanted. I like to use the example of comfort. It's not a great anchor. A lot of times we make goals like, oh, I want to lose weight because then I'll feel more comfortable in my skin. That's a big one for a lot of us ladies, right? There's a lot of pressures around how we think we should or shouldn't look. And that doesn't work very well. Being motivated by what you aren't is not going to get you any place. You're not going to go the direction you want to because our brain is not designed to avoid things. It's designed to focus on whatever we give direction to. So you mentioned earlier, sometimes we're changing our life process. And so we're used to an external structure, right? If we're working for a particular business that's very good at structuring, then we get comfortable with that. And then God might call us out into the wilds of some brand new thing. And uh, whether that's ministry or a job, or, or maybe you have a child for the first time, or you're in a new relationship, maybe you're discipling someone or baptizing people in the middle of a college that doesn't actually believe the same thing you do, right? There's all kinds of things God might call you to, and you, all of a sudden, the external structure is gone. And now we have to rely on internal structure. And that's where we want to work on motivation and how we maintain it. 
because God designed our brain so that we can choose the structure we want to have. We can choose, okay, this is the path I'm going to go on, and I'm going to redirect my brain back to that path until this becomes who I am. A lot of times our goals fail because along with many of us who know that we're probably going to quit in February or we plan and expect to, we don't make goals that are sustainable for ourselves, measurable. We don't make goals that are goals we really want to be for the rest of our lives. No one wants to be on a diet for the rest of their life. (laughs) Nobody. And that's a really popular one. Look, I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to get fit. I'm going to get healthy. There's nothing wrong with those goals. And in fact, they're incredibly important. There's so many scriptures in the Bible that talk to us about paying attention to our health. And just a side note, our health, our body, our brain, that's the physical hardware to the spiritual software God gives us. So if our hardware is in damaged condition, it's sleep deprived, it's over sugared, not enough protein, not enough vitamins, not enough movement, not enough rest at certain times or certain kinds of rest, then we're not going to be able to use the software. We're not going to be able to run it properly. Sometimes we need a new download. God quicken my spirit. We need some prayer. We need some fasting, all those things. But if you don't take care of the body you have, your brain will not function in a way that is in line with God's plan. You won't be able to hear the voice of God. You won't be able to feel the nudges in prayer because you're so exhausted. Your body can't produce the emotions that help you connect to that. Now, you don't always have to feel emotions to do God's will. So keep going if you're feeling that today. However, it's important to notice like, wow, we can truly set some goals around health. And if we can maintain them, if we can look at, maybe I don't want to be on a diet, but maybe I can make tiny changes in my lifestyle that will support the overall person I'm meant to be. So if God's calling, like this is a big one, you see it a lot in full-time ministry, you see it in motherhood, we see it in business ownership. We end up putting all our focus on what we're doing, but not taking care of the body that's doing it. And little tiny changes, you can pick one for three months, just one little tiny change that, you know what, I wouldn't mind getting up and making sure I took my vitamins first thing in the morning the rest of my life. That would make me feel good. Might not taste good, but it will make me feel better. And I like that goal. So you want to look at when you're making goals, make them tiny changes. There's three things that actually lead to sustainable change, long lasting change, internal change of who we are. And those three things are an epiphany, like some major understanding. Sometimes people see an x-ray and it's, oh my word, this changes my life. I'm going to live completely different. I don't want to have the same bone density issues my grandmother had, or I don't want to have a brain that's not functioning well. So that's a pivotal epiphany. Also involves environmental change, like you were talking about earlier, maybe a shift from one kind of job to a next or one kind of relationship to a next, and then environmental change, or maybe you move somewhere. And then the third one is tiny habits literally creating very small, tiny things that you can incorporate. And as you start one and it becomes a habit, then you add another one and you do what we call habit stacking, where you're adding things to what you're already successful at. And when you do that, it helps you maintain that motivation because you're not trying to change your whole life all at once in a few short months. You're simply saying, I can commit to one small change toward the person God's calling me to be. Love that. And the habit stacking, talk a little bit on that because someone may not understand. So I have been told about habit stacking is whatever you do every day. And Mm -hmm. so you brush your teeth every day, add a habit beside that. I drink coffee every day, (laughs) adding a little water bottle beside my coffee maker to remind myself, drink a water bottle too. (laughs) Absolutely. It, It sounds like it requires a lot of effort and it doesn't. It's simply choosing something that you already do, as you said, brushing your teeth, uh, drinking coffee, and then adding one habit you want to add to that. And so that with a reminder, you're describing all the perfect things you'd want to do. Coffee, I'm assuming, is something that's somewhat enjoyable. So you're going to link something enjoyable to something that's new. Now, that new thing may not be something you're super interested in. Most people aren't super interested in drinking a lot of water. It doesn't have a lot of taste. It's We feel better after, but trade off. Having a mug you like next to the coffee pot can remind you, hey, let me down half of this first. And sometimes people will use tracking habits so that like star each day that I actually do this or a check mark. And for some of us, the sense of accomplishment is, oh, hey, I did that for a week. I can keep going. And so that can be really positive. 
For others, it's more of attaching it to something really positive, but it really only works if you stack it on a habit you already like and you're already very consistent with. If you just recently picked up, say, maybe you got a pet for Christmas and you recently started spending time with them every day, that's an inconsistent thing. It's very enjoyable, but it's not exactly planned. It's not part of your routine. So if you try to stack a habit to that, oh, after I play with my dog, then I'm going to get up and finish that project that I have started on my computer or whatever happens to be, that's probably not going to work. And when we think about some of the things that we do, habit stacking is important for two reasons. One is it gives you success already. It reminds you what you're already doing, which is good. We want to celebrate every possible win in maintaining motivation. But the second thing is it also helps us shift our perspective around some of the habits we already have. So this is a really big part of maintaining motivation, goal setting. Often goal setting is not about really changing what you do half the time. It's often about how you do it, especially for women. We're known for multitasking, which technically we can't quite do. We're just switching sides of the brain often enough that it feels like we're actually doing more than one thing at a time, unless you're holding a baby, in which case, yes, you are totally doing more than one thing at a time. And I like to debunk that because it gives us this pressure that we have to do multiple things at once and we have to be good at it when the majority of us really aren't. Some people are really good at smoothly transitioning task to task and back and forth. So it gives us that impression. So just take the pressure off. If you're one of those people like, I can't multitask. I must not be a great woman. Don't worry about it. Take the pressure off that nobody's actually doing that. But when you think about things like doing the laundry, that was in 2023. It's going to be in 2024. And Lord willing, it'll still be in 2025 too. It's one of those things where you have a task. Maybe it's doing the taxes. Maybe it's paying the bills. Maybe there's a particular neighbor you don't really like, but they got interested in Bible studies somehow. There's things that we're going to do that are part of our lives that we may not like very much. And if we can shift our perspective on how we do that. So I I can do the laundry and grudge it and be upset about it and be a little bit like the Israelites and grumble and complain, which will take my blessing away from doing it. And it will also make my brain say, laundry equals negativity. Laundry equals negativity. I don't like doing that. So then either I'm going to leave it alone and let it pile up, which isn't great, but I also can simply have a bad attitude about it. And what happens is that starts to generalize to the rest of the chores that I do in my house. So now all of a sudden housework is a negative thing. And the fact that I forget the fact that I get to have a house to clean. I get to have a family to clean for. I get to experience this, I can do this as an act of love or I can do it as a frustration. And the difference they found really is we often as humans equate comfort with success. And comfort doesn't really indicate success. Now, it's an important part of getting to success. We do need to be comfortable some of the time, but it really is not a good anchor for our lives or for our goals. And so I would encourage you, if you struggle with goals in the past, take a moment and look at Are the goals I'm setting for myself intended to increase my comfort or are they intended to, maybe it's a really good goal. Maybe your goal is I want to make a new friend this year. I want to be more friendly with people or I want to have one Bible study this year. And that's a great goal. However, if your expectation is that, okay, success means I'm going to be comfortable doing that, then you're never going to get it off the ground. You might make a few attempts, you'll feel uncomfortable and awkward because it's new, and then you'll quit because, oh, I must not be good at this because it's not comfortable. So it's just a reminder, there's a time I asked God, I wanted X thing because it was going to make me feel comfortable and I would feel better and life would feel more stable. And instead, God sent me a new form of work. And I'm like, God, I wanted to be comfortable. And he said, no, you wanted to be stable and happy. And I realized I was associating comfort with the success, with stability, with happiness. And so many of us do that. And research proves that we all do that at different points. So look at what's behind the goal you're hoping for. What are your expectations for yourself? And if you're looking for comfort, it's really important to remember comfort isn't going to get you anywhere. It might make you feel good for a little bit. If you're cold and you're sick and you've got the flu, then you need a little bit of chicken soup and comfort. Yes, you need that. If you just had an anxiety attack, you need some comfort. So there's nothing wrong with comfort. 
but it doesn't lead us forward when we're talking about goals. So don't look for comfortable, look for doable, look for small steps towards success and measure it. Put a poster somewhere with the things that inspire you. I have a challenge for you, for Sister Jamie, for any of our listeners. That's one I've used myself as well. But when you're thinking about setting your goals before you even set them, or maybe you've already set them and you're struggling with them, get a piece of paper or use a Word doc if you're more interested in using your computer, maybe not paper around, but get a format where you can write some things down and set a timer for 10 to 15 minutes, turn on some background music so that you have no distractions and sit down and write down what inspires you, what makes you feel glad you're alive. What are some things that make life worth living that are enjoyable for you? What fires you up, makes you excited? What makes you feel like, hey, I'm capable, I can do this? That can be anything from some people enjoy cooking. Some people enjoy music or art or gardening. Prayer might be on there, right? Reading the Bible, because that's empowering. When we read scripture, it helps reduce our defenses and makes us able to see what God wants us to see. It helps us to see him. There's a lot of different pieces of things that inspire people. And it can be something super small, like, you know, when I sit out in the yard and watch birds, I, I feel capable and able to handle the rest of my day. Great. That's something that God gave you. If you're auditory, so a lot of people listening to a podcast tend to be very auditory learners, which is really amazing because, again, we see that a lot in churches, right? There's a lot of preaching here. You know, faith comes by hearing, hearing comes by the word of God. So we're all a little auditory. But some of us are the more visual, so we might need to take that inspirational board that we just made and put it somewhere we can see it. Take a picture of it, make it a phone background. But the things that inspire you, you want to add more of those to your life. And like we're talking about with habit stacking, mentally hook the things that you want to do onto the things that inspire you. So if you can incorporate those two things, you're going to find yourself able to maintain motivation because when you start to lose it, you go back to that paper and say, hey, what helps fire me up? How am I engaging in these things? And for most of us as Christians, knowing that God is behind us, knowing that our pastor is behind us, right? I'm not saying jump out and just randomly do something, but knowing that we have the support of, the, of God and the people around us, that we have a calling that's going to help us maintain that motivation. Sometimes we're going to be tired and we need rest. And going back and looking at that paper of this challenge of what fires me up is going to remind you, oh yeah, rest should be on here. <laughs> Vacations might be on here. Making a list of achievements, making a gratitude list. There's numbers of things you could put on there. There's no limit. The idea is to make sure you keep it somewhere where you can reference it when your motivation starts tanking so that you can go back and refill and keep moving forward. I love that you were talking about stacking that onto things and figuring out what inspires you and then going and doing the other things as well. Because I think a lot of times, let's be honest, sometimes it's just life in general. And then if you're a mom or you have a busy career, we have church, we have all these things. Sometimes I'll ask people, especially during coaching, I'll say, what do you like? What do you like to do? And they're like, I don't know. Isn't it terrible that I don't know what I'd like to do? <laughs> I don't know what inspires me. I don't know what fires me up. And if you were just listening to her talking about this and you're like, I don't even know what I would write down. If you'll do the challenge that she just gave us, I can guarantee you something will eventually come to your mind. You might need more than 10 or 15 minutes if you have not done anything that fills your cup in a long time. But you may go back to saying, used to, I rode a bike. And I really enjoyed it. Or I would take time to go on walks and I enjoyed that. Or going out with a friend. I know for me, going and having coffee with a friend and sitting and getting to talk is something that I enjoy. It fills my cup. It's easier for me now to sometimes get away and to do those things that Ezra is in school as well. But before, it took effort to get myself out to do that. And then even now I'll think I have a podcast recording to do. I need to do this. I need to do that. I've got the house to do. I've got the laundry and all these things. But then I'll think, like you said, I'm going to go with the friend after I drop my kids off, go in for prayer, go grab some coffee with the friend. And if I'm done by 1030, I can run home and I can clean up. And I seem to clean up way faster <laughs> after I've done something where I feel really good. I love that you were talking about stacking some of those things that may not be so enjoyable to us, 
But if you do that after something that's inspired you, you feel better. And so then it's not just a drudge to go and do the things that may not be your favorite. Absolutely. There's even uh, scientific evidence to suggest that our brain actually works better from a break than when we're trying to focus. There's about a 90 minute time frame that our brain actually consistently successfully focuses on something, no matter what that is. And if we go beyond that time frame without a break, without a mental jump to something else, we are going to lose productivity. We're going to lose the ability to be responsive and to remember and to retain information or even to give information because right, many of us are in giving formats, whether that's nursing or whether that's teaching or even at a bank, you're giving your time and your interest. You're giving your investment to something. And if you work for more than 90 minute span at a time, your brain starts to tank in its ability to actually do its job. So if you're struggling to give yourself breaks on things, and it doesn't have to be a long break, it can be a short one. Say you're in a season of life where you can't go to a coffee shop. That's a great one. We all love to do that, right? Just getting out is wonderful and changing the environment. But you could go step outside with a cup of coffee, cup of tea, cup of water, slice of oranges, step outside real quick, experience the sunshine for two or three minutes, and then come back in. That's enough of a break if that's all you can do. You could call a friend on the phone while you have some tea or FaceTime. Those things, they don't have to be two or three hour long calls. Many of us struggle in that transition from the freedom of a certain age or the energy of a certain age between 18, 25, 30, and then we shift into a different phase of our life, but we still expect that our friendship should stay the same, that we should do the same things. Like a phone call with Susie is going to take three and a half hours. It always has. It doesn't have to. We can simply practice speaking up and saying, hey, I value your time. I value mine. I want to spend time with you. But if I wait wait for a three-hour call, we won't talk till next year. That's okay to have those conversations. And for many people, that's another example of what we do doesn't always have to change so much as how we do it. We might need to be a little more flexible. We might need to be a smidge more intentional or maybe even a bucket load more intentional at times about how we do things and what we consider valuable. And as Christians, of course, everything starts and ends with Jesus. Do our values line up with him? And you might have an amazing goal, but maybe it's a big idea goal. Part of maintaining motivation is knowing what kind of goal you're shooting for so that you have a realistic time span. Maybe somebody has a goal of writing a book. Maybe God's laid something on your heart. Understand and pray over the timing of that because that may be a three-year goal. That may be a big idea goal. And so you want to break that down into smaller pieces to say, what are the steps? And if going at it from right here to there is, I don't know how I get there, then work backward. Think about the goal and then work back each step. Maybe you want to start a podcast, look up some information. That's a research piece. That's a step. And you can accomplish that by measuring it and writing it down and keeping a visual goal of how you're getting there. Or you can work backward and say, okay, a successful podcast would look like this. What's one step before that? Okay, maybe that would be a lot of marketing. Okay, so what's one step before the marketing? Oh, I probably need a bit of a social media presence. Okay, what's a step before that? And so you break it down in small pieces. And you can do that for everything from your chore list to anything that's overwhelming for you. If you're attacking it from the front and going forward and it's not working for you and you can't figure out the steps, well, do it in reverse. Look at what the end goal might be and work backward. But before you do any of that, make sure you take time to pray and say, God, is this what you're speaking to me about this year? Is this what you're wanting me to do in this season? Your season may last two months. It may last three years. Who knows? But whatever season you're in, God's going to send you messages. If you ask, and if you keep your ears open, literally just ask God, hey, speak to me in different ways. You might hear a repeated phrase over and it might pop up out of you out of the grocery ad. It might pop at you from a podcast you listen to or something you're reading. And then it'll pop up for you in your Bible. And God will connect that with your spirit if you're listening and if you're open. Now, here's a challenge that many of us, it's a goal many of us don't really want to work on, but it's very important for our spirituality, for our physicality, for our relationships, for everything. And that's sleep. I know I mentioned it on this podcast before, but literally they've done studies that have proven if you go 17 hours, which many of us do, we're awake that long, right? By that 17 or more hours, your brain is now functioning as if legally drunk. This is why if they say sometimes, if your brain tells you negative things after 9 p.m., don't listen, this is why. (laughs) And that's actually true. 
because your brain, it's done now. It needs to slow down, do something a little bit softer, slower, something maybe it's got more external support. Maybe we're going to church at that point for some of us, right? We've been up early, dropped the kids off at school. You're doing all these things, but you're around an environment that can help to give you energy as you continue to go through the rest of that evening. So it shouldn't be 100% full bore attention that you're trying to give to something. Now, many of us make that mistake of trying to accomplish things really late at night when we were up really early in the morning. I hate to break it to you, but it's not going to work very well. You will work much harder for much longer amounts of time to accomplish the same thing that you would have done if you rescheduled, reset your expectations and put that somewhere else and got some of the sleep that you need. Now, there's a lot of challenges to that. There might be physical health things that you need to do to try to get that sleep. But the idea here, and again, additional statistics, you go 24 hours without sleep and your brain is much further beyond just legally drunk. Now, you're reflexes are 50% less effective. You're less responsive on all levels on anything that you're dealing with. So those late night arguments that we have with people that we love, that you're not going to get anywhere. We need to say, I love you. I care about you. Let's talk about this tomorrow. Doesn't mean you're holding your anger overnight. If you are, you need to work on that and talk to Jesus before you get to bed. That's one thing your brain will have the energy for. It always will. God will make sure that you have what you need to do that. It's very important, though, to think about this because it's not just, okay, I don't stay up 24 hours. Okay, so let me give you another statistic that will reinforce this. If you go six days with six hours sleep or less, it's the same as if you'd stayed up 24 hours. It's still having that same effect. And what happens for our brain when it's exhausted is that not only does it not function well and not pick up on information, it starts releasing endorphins that cause you to not realize how tired and ineffective you are. So someone says, oh, I can function on four hours of sleep. Yeah, you're not dead. But do you remember how many arguments you had and how irritable you've been lately? (laughs) Do you notice how nobody wants to talk to you about anything serious lately? (laughs) Might be why. Now, there's some things inherent in being a woman and a mother and a wife that require late nights sometimes. That's fine. Think about how you can build some rest into the next day. Think about how you can schedule the important things you need. Now, some people are morning birds. Some people are late birds. That's fine. I'm talking about the amount of actual sleep you're getting. And when there's days where you can't get the amount of sleep, maybe there's a big church push happening. It's you just can't get the sleep. Then you need to build in time at some point to recapture that. But it takes a good three days for 24 hours missed. So you can't catch up just on the weekend. So it's important to think about the lifestyle that we have and is the lifestyle choices we're making honoring God or are they catering to our to-do list? This is another place where motivation falls off, right? Sometimes that motivation falling is God's way of protecting us from burning ourselves out to the point where we have a nervous breakdown and we're in a hospital. And when I say nervous breakdown, I mean nervous system breakdown, shutdown of organs, etc. I know several people that's happened to. And it's not what we want, right? That's not what God wants for us. He wants something better. And if we think about biblically, James is, if you're struggling with motivation or you're struggling to find out what goal you need to work on, go read the book of James. You will find something in there that God goes, hey, bingo, here's what we're working on. It's not always because you're so bad in that area. It might just be, this is your season to gain a new gift. If you're struggling with anxiety, this may be your season to gain peace. If you're struggling with fear, this may be your season to gain courage. God doesn't allow us to go through things meaninglessly. He's going to give it purpose if we let him. There's things people do that are wrong. There's free will, right? That's another piece to go back to sleep for the moment. We cannot access full free will, which God intended us to have. The ability to choose what to do, what to think, how to be regardless of our circumstances, right? Like the martyrs, they're choosing, I will follow Jesus even though someone's going to kill me in two seconds because of it. Those kinds of things, that kind of free will, we don't access if we haven't done our best to take care of ourselves in the good times. What happens for us in the bad times and how we're able to maintain free will, if we're able to maintain our commitment to God when we're not feeling good, is largely dependent on our ability and our choices to take care of ourselves when we are feeling good, when we do have the time oh, I'll wait till I have the time to take care of myself. You won't have it because by the time you need it, it won't have been there already. Does that make sense? Your free will is partly proactively doing this. Now, God gives us spiritual support. 
You're crying out to Jesus. He's going to help you do things you wouldn't be able to do on your own. However, if he nudged you two weeks ago and you didn't listen and he nudged you again a week ago and you still didn't listen, there are times where he will allow us to have consequences so that we don't, as the old timers would say, come a cropper, come down the hill and bang our head and hurt ourselves worse. There are times he will allow us to experience that consequence. So I'm not saying don't have faith. God will help you in any situation. I am saying also have the common sense God told us to take care of ourselves. I think in our society as a whole, I think it, it makes us feel better about ourselves, right? You see this thing that says like hot mess mom, and she just is exhausted and mom bun and barely getting through life. Or you see someone that is just overworked and they're just not happy. The happiness isn't there, but they're constantly doing all these things. We don't have enough sleep. Like you said, there's no rest there. There's no taking time for what inspires you, or there's not taking a lot of time for prayer. And talking to God, Bible reading, all these things that truly fill our cup or taking care of ourselves because we're hot messes running around and we're just supposed to be just exhausted and barely making it through life. And I just don't honestly feel like that's biblical. I don't feel like that God wants us to be running around like hamsters on wheels. That's why I think the setting goals, forming new habits, all those things are so important because a lot of times what it does to me in January it's not that, like you said, January 1st is not some miraculous date that was sent from above and it's here's your chance to be a whole new person. But I do think that stopping and reflecting and realizing that, hey, I didn't get my Bible read completely through this year because towards the end of the year, towards the middle and the end, I had all these things going on and I wasn't making time for things that honestly were more important. Yeah. And I wasn't making time for myself. I didn't give myself enough rest. I didn't do these other things that really are what I want to do. It's the habits I want to form. It's the person that I want to be or become because I was so busy running around doing things and acting in ways that's not even what I really want to do. I don't want to be a time waster or get caught in the scroll, as everyone says, it's so easy to do. That's a problem for a reason. <laughs> it's easy to do that. And so I don't want to be someone that gets caught up in the scroll, allows my day to just get by and me never thinking about the things that I'm doing, the decisions that I'm making. Yeah. And I think it's easy to get caught up in those things, but then taking this time to come back and like you said, saying, you know what, I am going to break these other habits and form new habits to where I can be used to the kingdom in ways that God is asking of me, doing things that he is asking for me to do. Absolutely. Sometimes we call that magpie syndrome when we're doing what everyone else is doing because it looks shiny and bright. And sometimes people use the word crow syndrome. So you might've heard that, but Ooh, it's shiny. I'm going to do that. And we don't take time to know who we are and what our needs are, what God's nudging us about. And so we take a goal, that's never going to work for you. You are going to fail that goal every time because God didn't want you to have that goal in the first place. That's not where you are. James chapter one talks about be a doer of the word and not a hearer, only deceiving yourselves. And if you read back to the original language, it's not about somebody intentionally deceiving themselves necessarily, but it's more about the fact that self-awareness is really self-report. And we all know how mixed up we can get. The Bible tells us our hearts are deceitful and wicked, and only God knows how much, which of course is mercy and grace covers, but we're also meant to be aware of that. What are my limitations? What are the things that I need in good ways and bad ways? And shortly thereafter, James also references if we're only a hearer and we walk away forgetful of what God's asking us to do, not just in scripture overall, I should have the Holy Ghost, I should be baptized, I should do these things, but also you and the individual, God's individual relationship with who you are and what season you're in. If we walk away from those things, hearing and not doing, we become like the person who looks in the mirror, studies themselves, looks into it, figuring out who they are, walks away and forgets. And we're going to do that. And if we forget the negative about who we are, we can't grow. And we will walk around wondering, why am I anxious all the time? Because we've left unfinished business behind. We're afraid, we're ashamed of trying something. God's calling me to something big, but I don't know how to do that. I'm not that person. I'm not a teacher. I'm not a speaker. I'm not singer. I'm not whatever it is. And then we don't go there because we lock that up and we throw away the key. I can't do it. I'm not really good enough. So we throw it away, but it still sits there on our back. 
and we're not listening to that nudge when God's, hey, they did it. You can too. I'm the one, trust me. I'm the one providing you. I'm your resource. But we're still afraid we're not going to do it right. And so then we lock that up and we walk around, okay, I'm a good Christian. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. But in the back of our mind was that thing we turned off because we didn't try. Run your insecurities to God right now. If you wake up in the morning, if you're listening to this podcast and there's something that's coming up for you as I'm saying this, turn this off, stop it, pause it, come back later, whatever. But talk to God. Okay, God, this is my struggle. This is my insecurity right now. I'm giving this to you. You can make me enough to do what I need to do. You can give me what I need if I were to surrender that to you. And that could be deep rending sadness for us sometimes because we think we're doing awesome and it's all, oh, I guess I'm coming up prideful. I guess somebody reminded me, yeah, I do come across not the way I meant to. Or maybe I'm so timid that I've buried my talent under six feet of earth because I'm just afraid. Maybe nobody believed in me when I was a kid. So I still speak that over myself unintentionally with every new challenge. And so if that's the case, input, output, get some scripture in there, start praying, start reading it over yourself, start declaring what you know is true. If God's telling you, write that book you have a voice, you have something to give, then you start waking up in the morning, even when you don't believe it, and you say, God, you've given me something, give me the words to give. Because people, Sister Jamie, yourself, myself, other people, we're talking, we're putting our voice out there. It's not because we feel adequate, or we have the wisdom, or we have the understanding, right? I'm saying we, I'm speaking for myself as well, but for any of us, preachers, pastors, none of us have the full skill and understanding on our own. What we have is a willingness to surrender and let God speak through us and sometimes make a fool of ourselves because we misunderstood something. And that's okay, because that's part of growing. That's why James says, be a doer of the word, not just a hearer. It's not because you're meant to do it perfectly the first time. It's because if you experience and do something and you do it repeatedly over and over, you're going to get better at it. You're going to figure out how to do it. And next thing you know, you're going to be teaching someone else how to do it. And it's going to be a natural progression, but it starts with taking the courage to say, I don't have to have it right. I don't have to have all the skills. I don't have to understand everything. I just have to ask God for wisdom and direction on what I want to work on, what I need to work on, and then going for it. It's really important to understand that what you speak over yourself and what you speak over others is a big part of how you maintain your motivation. You don't have to say, I feel amazing and abundant today when you don't. You can say, God's blessing me and giving me what I need for today. And start there. Start at a space that you know is true, even if you don't feel it's true. And then start declaring, God, you're taking care of my family. God, I release your angels to stand around and protect my home. I might not live in the best area in the world, but God, your angels are around my house. You say the things, and you, as you say those things, you will feel and connect to one of them. And that's the thing that you need to follow up in with God. Okay, God, there, here's where I'm going to press in. I feel your connection to that. And it might not be the same every day. But for many of us, we have so much to give. We have so much authority that God's given us in our words. And as women, we have special skill in using words. God put that into our brain. And because of that, we have a responsibility to use that in a way that leads us forward. And not just idle words, whatever comes out of our mouth comes out, or withholding and in silence but using them in an empowering way because we don't have to live in scarcity. And that's where our, our New Year's resolutions usually come from. I'm not enough. I didn't do enough. They have this. That's what I want. Now I'm doing a magpie syndrome, right? We're supposed to say, God, you are enough and get your eyes on God. If you can't figure out what your goals and dreams and plans are, if you're not sure what you should do, look at God, make a plan to get closer, make room for him in your schedule. And he will show you what to do and he will make it exciting for you. It will be something that part of you scared of, but the other part of you has got that tingly feeling you get before you do something really cool or before something really good happens. And it's going to be like, oh, you know what? That's something I want. And if it's something you want, then reach for it, speak it into existence, pray over it, talk to God and share it. Have accountability. Accountability doesn't just mean shame when you fall. It doesn't mean that at all. It means celebration when you have success. Somebody's in there fighting with you, rooting with you, praying with you. And when you struggle, you can tell someone so they can go, I know you're having a hard time now, but you did that so good last week. You can totally do it again. That's accountability. And that's the final thing I would say that we definitely have to achieve our goals is we need other people in on it with us 
so that this becomes an identity change. And if someone comes to you and they tell you they have a drastic change that they want to make, maybe they've been depressed for 10 years and they tell you, this is my year for joy. Don't laugh in their face. Don't criticize them. Don't put them down. Don't tell everybody else. Yeah, she said it's her year for joy this year. And sometimes we do that on accident. We're not usually being maliceful, but we say those things and then we catch it afterward, but it's already done. And so you want to make sure that if someone comes to you with something, you're like, they should be careful choosing that goal. Prayerfully consider your response. Encourage them. If they shoot for the moon and land in the stars, they at least landed in the stars. They're not accepting the status quo because God doesn't want us to live in scarcity. He's a God of abundance. We can live and act. If I act like I don't have enough to do something, I won't. But if I say God has enough for me, I can do this and God will give me the energy I need later. If God's telling me to do a Bible study and I'm like, but my kids are coming home and I got to clean the house and I'm exhausted and I'm tired. I'm never going to get it all done. Pray. Check out the Bible study. Do that. Do what God said to do. And just watch and see how much energy you have the rest of the time. And also reduce those expectations. If you think the rat race is for you, it's not. God wanted us to live in trust that when we lay down and go to bed at night, when we do what's most important, that he will cover the things that we can't and help us to do them on the right day. Maybe we don't have to do have a spotless kitchen floor if it means our kids don't get time with us. Maybe we don't have to be the person who's involved in 16 ministries at the church if our family or our husband needs us at home. Maybe we're in a phase where our health isn't what we want it to be and we're working on that. Trust God, lean into that and let him lead you in how to do it. Wow. So good. So much said in this part. I love it. But one thing that I wanted to go back and talk about for a second is you were talking about that shiny thing that other people are doing and stepping back. That's a lot of what this whole podcast and unashamedly you community is about. And it's about unashamedly going after what God is calling you to do. And sometimes you do not know anyone else that is doing that. So me personally, as far as personally knowing friends or have friends that I can talk to because they've got all these podcast things already figured out and I could just go to them and ask them questions. I didn't have any. I knew a couple people that have done a podcast, but I wasn't extremely close to them. I had just known that they had done it before. So feeling like you know, going out and starting this ministry. I didn't know what it was going to look like. I didn't know exactly what to do. Even with Unashamedly You in general, I didn't know exactly what to do. All I knew was that God is calling women to do things that sometimes it just feels intimidating. And we don't want to step into that calling because our best friend's not doing it or because we've not seen it done before or because we don't know how to do it and we don't know what steps to take. And so we're too timid. And like you said, you want to just push that under the rug and bury that talent six feet under because we don't know how. And we're too scared to even write it down as a goal or as something that we want to do or something that God's calling us to because we're not sure where to even get started. And so we're not ourselves and we know we're not being ourselves. We're not being who God's calling us to be, but because we're ashamed. And getting rid of that shame and unashamedly stepping into those callings and those giftings that God is calling you to do. Like you said, sometimes it might not be the floor is perfect. Sometimes it might be letting go of things so that you can spend the time or you can do the things that God is actually calling you to do. Whatever you're saying no to, you're saying yes to something else. And so if you're saying no to the shiny thing, you're saying yes to the real thing. Magpies go for imitations. They don't know the value of what they pick up and they can't use it. They simply hoard it and store it. And many times, social media, scrolling, all these things, we hoard information. We are like little sponges. We take it all in regardless of whether it's good or bad. And we don't take the time to figure out which valuable and which which isn't. And sometimes that's just the function of the busy life that our society would like to press upon all of us. There's some pitfalls in society. One of them is busyness and accepting the status quo. So there's a tip that you can use to just one tiny habit. And if this is the only thing that you do this year, maybe this is makes the difference for you. Helps you to be in the moment, helps you to listen to God where, right where you're at. You don't have to think it all out. You don't have to psychoanalyze yourself. And it's just a three second question is, is what I'm doing right now going to lead me to a better life 
or is it going to lead me to a lesser one? And in that three seconds after you ask yourself that question, your answer is going to pop up. Answer it with facts and answer it with love. Not just love for yourself and for God, but love for the people around you and love for the mission that God's given you. It doesn't mean sometimes that we're going to choose something. Will this give me a better life? Yeah. Will it sacrifice? Will it cost me something? Will it be scary? Yes. But do I love God that much? Do I love myself? Do I love others? Do I love the mission God's planted in my heart that much? And to be honest, there'll be times where the answer will be, no, I don't love all those things that much right now. Right now, I'm very human and I want to sit on my duff. And that's okay. But what you need to do is just say, okay, God, help me have a willing heart. Quicken my spirit to want what you want. And I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost will fall and you will feel that in your heart when you truly ask for that help. It doesn't have to take 15 minutes or an hour or be in the rug on on your nose at the church. That's okay to do. Do that. But it doesn't have to just be that. Ask the question, is it something that's going to lead me forward? Is this decision something that's going to lead me backward? Which way am I answering? That's simple. One little tiny question takes three seconds of your time, and it will guide you into the next thing that you need to do that's the right step. You talking about that reminds me of the scripture, even for Unashamedly You community, and we've used 2 Timothy 2.15. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. Amen. And presenting ourselves to God as one approved. He is calling you to something. He is going to help you to achieve it. He's going to help you to get there. But we have to be a worker who has no need to be ashamed. We have to actually do something there. It's not that we're just approved to God because he just approves everything that we do. But we have to present ourselves to God as one approved and a worker who has no need to be ashamed and rightly handling that word of truth, rightly speaking that over our lives, like you were talking about earlier, telling yourself what God is no respecter of persons. He's going to do this for me. He's going to do this for my family. He's going to put angels around me. If you have that feeling like she was talking about earlier of anxieties, or you have these fears and going around speaking, I have no fear. God is giving me a sound mind. In declaring that over yourself, over your mind, your goals may look completely different than someone else's goals. Someone may have work goals or they may have family goals. And then someone else may have goals that they're like, if I could just get through the day without feeling anxious, if I could just get through the day and have a peace, if I could have a peaceful life or a peaceful home, then that is, that's a big goal for me this year. And realizing, like you said, the person saying, I'm going to have joy. And speaking that and declaring that over yourself, but realizing it takes work on our end too. It's not just that we can say, oh, God's promises are yes and amen, and he's going to give me joy, and he's going to give me this life, and he's going to give me this environment of peace. He's going to help me to lose this weight or these goals that I have set, and then you're not getting the rest. You're not doing the exercise. You're not eating correctly. You're not drinking the water. (laughs) There's part of us that has to do that as well. So I love everything that you've said today, and you've given us in the Unashamedly You community, some work to do. You've given us some things that you're going to have to put forth, some effort, but God is going to help you do that. He's going to help you find that motivation and to complete those tasks if you put in the work. If you present yourself as God approved, He's going to help you. So Dr. Chelsea Hall, this has been absolutely incredible. As always, everything that you have said today, you have motivated me and you have helped me as well as I know everyone listening to this. But what is one last thing that you would leave to the Unashamedly You community? I'll just say that when you do, the feelings follow. You got to step out first, no matter what it takes. You got to white knuckle it. If God's calling you to something, and he might just be calling you to love, he might be calling you to do small things with great love. He might be calling you to be more kind, more humble, more thoughtful. He might be calling you to be quiet a little bit more often. Whatever that challenge is that God has set before you, it will lead you into bigger and greater things if you will follow that. But you got to do it first. The feelings will follow. So if you act and you act in obedience, every blessing in the Bible is yours. And he will empower you to do it. But many times he will wait till you lift your foot to the threshold of that step. Whatever that door is you're opening, he's going to wait till you put your foot out and then you will feel the feeling hit you as you start to do the thing. He will empower you to do it. Just remember, we are not unashamed because you've never felt shame or because you feel good. 
you can be unashamedly who God calls you to be because He called you worthy and because of His mercy. Absolutely incredible. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to be on here with us today. I know that you have given us a lot of meat to take home and some things to do, and I'm going to do them because we want to be better for His glory, for His kingdom, and to do what He is calling us to do unashamedly. Thank you. It's been an honor to be with you today. Thanks for listening to another episode on the Unashamedly You podcast. And thank you to everyone who has shared us on social and to those that have left a review on Spotify and Apple. Now, we have a giveaway to do. Thank you, Cassie Smith, for the social media shout out. Your support means so much. Message us your address and we will be sure and get your Unashamedly You merch in the mail. Don't forget, leave us a review on Apple, Spotify, or tag us on social. And as a way to give back to you, Every Friday for the month of January, we are going to pick a review or an Instagram story to send some Unashamedly You merch to. Let's continue to encourage one another together. Go be Unashamedly You.